I will initiate self-destruct sequencing. Welcome to episode 230 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Hans Burkhardt. And this is our first of uh, two bonus, well, two shows that we're doing this week. Because we live in a fucking golden era of Star Wars content, we have a new episode of The Mandalorian to talk about. Chapter 7, The Reckoning. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And then tomorrow night, late, sometime very late, You'll have our The Rise of Skywalker reaction show up. Um, but seeing as young William Witten himself is in the process of getting everything, you know, arranged and, and in place so he can leave the family for an evening to come watch a Star War with all his nerd buddies, he's not here tonight. But you know we've been lining up the special guests to talk about The Mandalorian, and boy am I excited to talk with who we have tonight. You guys should know him very well. If you've ever looked at a piece of Blue Harvest artwork and thought, damn, that looks cool. Wow, that looks neat. That's because of this guy right here, artist extraordinaire and my good friend, Mr. Evan DeCellis. Hey, buddy, how are you today? I'm good, man. I'm excited. We're so close to a new Star Wars movie. Uh, I got to stay up late and watch an episode of a new Star Wars TV show last night. I played a Star Wars video game today. Like, it's just incredible. It's going to be really hard, like, whenever we get into 2020 and we just have that dry period. Like, after we just had some of the best Star Wars, like, marathoning we've ever had. I know. It's going to be, I think it's going to be quite a while before we have that boom, 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 like, mega hit, mega hit, mega hit, yeah. like, uh, a triple A single player Star Wars video game experience followed by a, the first live action show followed by episode nine. Like it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, and, what, and what an experience though that 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 triple A game was with Fallen Order. Oh my God. Did you finish it? I did actually, oh. finally. <laughs> yeah, I know we were texting about it and I like I'm I was trying to be cool and not because I know I buckled down and really sped through it. Uh, yeah. you know, within like two weekends. So I was trying not to ruin anything for anybody. So how'd you like it now that you got it I, all wrapped up? I loved it. So I think I <laughs> finished it probably like in like three play sessions because whenever I like actually put it on, I couldn't stop playing it. Um, and obviously I won't get into spoilers because some people haven't even had the chance yet. But some of the things that they do in there is kind of crazy because it's like Dave Filoni level like lore 
You know, and I'm shocked the respawn went there. Yeah, that to me tells me that they probably worked real closely with the story group. Mm -hmm. Um, And it interfaces real nicely with a lot of cool stuff in Star Wars. And brings some new, like, lore elements, like ancient force stuff to it, too, that I thought was really cool. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And also getting to see some... Uh, some of the planets that we have, you know, seen in maybe in different forms before. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Kind of crazy. Yeah. D- different planets and different species that we've mm-hmm. only seen in animated. Now, I know this isn't live action, but it's it's closer to a live action version of like a Lasat than we've seen before. And I thought it looked pretty cool. Yeah, they did a good job with that. It actually makes me want to see it. Like, I know Zeb Zeb made me want to see it in live action, but I was kind of worried about that. Mm-hmm. But seeing how Fallen Order did it, I think that they could definitely pull that off a lot easier. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, on the subject of Fallen Order, there was a, an interesting little bit of uh, Star Wars video game chatter this week. Um, oh, oh, really? First up, Respawn is already hiring people to work on a quote-unquote third-person Star Wars action-adventure game. Oh, Fallen Order 2? That's got to be what it is, right? Oh, like, man. <clears throat> so um, I was talking about it with a friend of the podcast, Aaron Boyd, and we were kind of going back and forth, and honestly, I think the turnaround on a sequel for that game could be fairly quick, meaning... If I had to guess, that'll be their holiday 2021 release, mm-hmm. which would put it about two years out, which is, you know, pretty standard fare for a sequel to that type of game. I think the Tomb Raider games released every two or three years or so or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I definitely think, I mean, basically the way I look at it is the same way that like God of War that just came out took eight years. I mean, you already have the assets now you have right. how the gameplay feels and those are the hardest parts to figure out you know and now that you have that and have all these character models and stuff it's more of a story thing and then sort of okay how do we take this sort of the next level like gameplay wise with powers and stuff exactly like just build up on the solid foundation you already have built for this game series mm-hmm. and just iterate on that you know new planets new enemies new powers new story obviously and you're off to the races so i think it is very possible that we see that sequel in about two years that seems pretty likely to me i think so too and i had a question actually for you regarding that so how do you think that they handle like i don't know you know how sometimes in the video game sequels they hit you with the stripping of your powers to re-earn them you know and it's that's usually easier than sort of making you like kind of designing around the abilities they gave you. How do you think they'll handle that? That's, I was kind of wondering that because I felt that Jedi Fallen Order did a really wonderful job slowly introducing new powers to you and Mm -hmm. then integrating those new powers into like the puzzle and traversal elements in the game. Mm -hmm. The, The thing that always bugs me is they have to find some weird video game logic to the story to do that and i don't know to me there's a few ways you go about it you do some weird force stuff where you know your character gets stripped of their powers and has to rebuild i don't know that i'm super interested in that Mm -hmm. or you do a new character 
that would be interesting. Like they're sort of like anthology series. Right. Like maybe it's not Jedi Fallen Order 2. Maybe it's Jedi such and such. You know, the title is Star Wars Jedi. And mm -hmm. then the preceding subtitle or whatever is, you know, the title of the game and sort of places. You, for all we know, it could be set in a completely different era. I have a feeling with the way things lined up, that it'll probably be a direct sequel to Fallen Order, and people have seemed to like those characters so much. Yeah. And then I guess your third option would really be to just start you off with those powers and then add to your, your powers, like add a mm -hmm. couple of new ones. Um, and I wonder what that would take away or add to the gameplay. If you yeah, if you already yeah. start with that that toolbox you end the first one with that would be weird. Yeah, I don't I don't think that it would be too bad. I mean, I guess really what it comes down to is from the moment that we have basically everything whenever we were playing the game, like did it still hold up? You know, granted it wasn't you know the twenty some hour experience, but for the last few hours of the game where you had everything, like picture that I guess stretched out and. Like, does that work? And I think so, but I'm the furthest thing from, like, a game designer, so. Yeah, me too. You know, like, just because I follow this stuff so closely, I ain't got a fucking clue, you know? Like, <laughs> it's hard to say. But I, I think there is a way, and I have nothing but full confidence in Respawn. As of right now, to me, Respawn is batting a thousand. I've liked oh, yeah. every one of their games so far, even ones I haven't sunk a ton of time into like apex legends yeah i i think it's really good it's just that i yeah. suck at those type of games so i haven't <laughs> you know put a ton of time into it that was my experience too with like battlefront 2 where you know they've, they've done all these cool updates and i want to go back but typically like this late in the game it's pretty much the people who've never left you know and it's just i get shot down the second i start so i'd like to stick to the single player stuff but right. um you know, I got to give Respawn credit, though, for pushing back on EA because I heard that they wanted them to use like that that Frostbite engine that Battlefield had all those issues with. And they said, yeah, we're just going to go with Unreal and it paid off. So, yeah, I I think EA's insistence on Frostbite being their sole internal engine really hurt a lot of games. I think it hurt the the latest or the last Dragon Age, the last Mass Effect. Mm -hmm. um, Battlefront makes more sense for that engine because that engine was created for the Battlefield games, which yeah, Battlefront yeah. is like, you know, a, a skin. Yeah, it's a take on those games, basically. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. I think when you have an engine as versatile as Unreal, like, why not just use that? I understand that you know, you're paying less money out if you develop an engine internally. But if that engine becomes unwieldy and leads to problems, like you're trying to shoehorn genres of games into an engine yeah. that doesn't really work. Like once another example, Anthem had yeah, a ton yeah, of problems. Exactly. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping they become less strict about that. And I think the, the sales of Jedi Fallen Order have to show them a that if they allow the the developers under their wing to do what they think is best it can lead to good results and also that there is 
a high demand for high quality single player experiences without microtransactions, without, yep. you know, like nickel and diming us. Like, I think the demand is out there. And if they just get their head out of their ass, I think the next few years of the EA Star Wars contract could go much more smoothly than they have. I think so, too. And I, I bet you that EA probably showed, um, you know, Lucasfilm. Or, you know, and Disney, something past Fallen Order as well to kind of convince them, like, this isn't a fluke. Like, we do have a plan. So that's my assumption, you know, because they, Disney said that they seemed really encouraged about EA and wanted to continue business with them. So that's my hope, too. Um, we know that, I mean, we've all been burnt in the past by EA, but I think for the sake of Star Wars, we'll even, like, side with them if it means good Star Wars games. Exactly. Like, I don't like EA. I think they are... Mm -hmm a shitty company in a lot of regards, but I also can't take away some of the amazing experiences I've had with EA games in the past. So it's not a 100% they just produce dog shit type of thing. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I'm really hoping that they, um, you know, like all it's going to take for me is, a couple more games as, as high quality and as joy, enjoyable as Fallen Order. And I'm fine with that. But, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. We'll see. I think it's 2023 is when the contract is up. So we still have a few more years ahead of us. And whether that gets extended or whatever, we'll see. I do know another thing that sort of came out this week is apparently another studio under EA, EA Motive. Mm -hmm. um, is working apparently on a Star Wars game that's probably coming out next year. Oh, wow. How long has that been in development? They said, the article I was reading said it's been in development for a while. Oh, um, okay. Now, EA Motive, when I was doing some research for tonight, because I knew you were going to be on and you would be a good candidate to talk about this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. all I could find that they'd really been involved with uh, they worked with EA on and DICE on Battlefront 2 quite a bit, uh, and maybe even Battlefront 1. They were also working alongside Visceral, when Visceral was still around, on their Star Wars game. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know if we're looking at something they salvaged out of that Visceral project, if this was a project you know, that they were working along, you know, working on on the side, and now it's in yeah. the forefront. Um, but the, the quote I read is that they're working on a quote unquote unique Star Wars game. Now, what that means, I don't quite know. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I really hope it's not something like, I mean, I, you know what? I, I take that back. I guess Anthem isn't bad. It was just the execution, not the concept. Um, but I could see a live service Star Wars game. Maybe that's similar to like destiny. You know what I mean? Um, that feels unique enough that it's not something that I think we've seen from Star Wars before. So clearly they're not going like the Fallen Order route. Right. Um, and Battlefront, you know, has already had two iterations. So it's probably not that. So I feel like live service is an option. But then I feel like you set yourself up for that microtransaction territory again. Yeah. And, you know? and unfortunately, there's nothing EA or and, and like... You know, I also feel like EA gets focused on a lot when it comes to the microtransaction debate when Ubisoft, just as bad, Activision, 
just yep. as bad. Like these huge mega uh, game companies, they want nothing more than to be able to sell you a game for $60 and then get another $60 plus on top of that out of you because of microtransactions. <clears throat> Exactly. And I think that they probably loved all that Battlefront stuff that did happen because it basically made EA the poster child if they weren't already, you know, for that type of egregious stuff that they're all guilty for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it took a, a franchise as big as Star Wars to make as big of a, a splash as it did. Mm -hmm. But it, it was far and away not the first time we've seen anything like that as egregious as that, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that whole Reddit, that Reddit thing really blew it up. Yeah, and you know, like, I definitely don't disagree that, um, uh, they, they deserved it, you know? Like, I think mm -hmm. they definitely deserve to catch some, some shit for what they pulled. It's just, you know, you see that and then you see people flipping out about the newest Call of Duty. Well, the newest <laughs> Call of Duty is just as bad, you know, yeah. like... All these companies do it. Like, I think the best thing that could have happened for Bungie was separating themselves from Activision. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll be interested to see how, An uh, not Anthem, Destiny, which is a games as a service type game, performs going forward now that they don't have Activision breathing down their back, you know? Yeah, and I've never really been a Destiny kind of guy, but I knew Activision games like weren't my speed so I think that I actually might try the next one just because I know that it isn't and it's going to, you know, be a passion project, of course. Right. Um, so I would give it a shot. I played the first two Destinies through, mm -hmm. you know, like their first couple of DLC packs. And at the end of the day, the thing about Destiny, the thing about the division, the thing about Anthem that really ends up burning me out is doing the same Grinding the exact yeah. same mission over and over. Like they want to give you this feeling like you're playing a huge MMO game, you know? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I can play World of Warcraft for 100, 200, 300 hours and not experience the same quests or the same dungeons and et cetera, yes. et cetera. That is not the case in any of these games. You're doing the same stuff over and over again. And I end up getting burnt out on that. Yeah, I'm the same way. And that's actually what ruined like the Assassin's Creed games for me, too. It mm -hmm. was just the same thing. Climb to the peak, you know, registered in your thing and, you know, see the cutscene. It's just <coughs> formulaic and, you know, lack of creativity, honestly. But as far as this game and the unique take, I mean, I think it's exciting, especially because if it does look like it's having problems, they potentially I don't know how often you know, the companies do this with their own studios, but they could lean on Respawn for a little bit of help because they now have something proven in their back pocket. So maybe they'll trust them, you know, to kind of help them if worse comes to worse. But yeah, you know, and, who knows. and that's the, the kind of the vibe I've gotten from the way some of the EA inner workings work. Obviously, like we said earlier, I, I don't know for sure, but it seems like they do kind of work along with each other quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and and, you know, assist people like I know sort of famously on Mass Effect 3, DICE, the company that made Battlefront 2, that makes the Battlefield games, uh, assisted them with sort of the shooting mechanics in that game to help them sort oh, of okay. fine tune them and make them feel a little more weighty and a little more impactful than they did yeah. in the previous game. So, 
you know, I hope you're right. I um, I would expect that if if there is a Star Wars game coming next year, I don't know, maybe E3 would be <coughs> a good candidate for that to, to find out about it. Yeah, that would make sense because if it has potentially a holiday release date, um, like that would be perfect for them because they don't have a movie anymore in that slot, you right. know? Uh, and they could just say, hey, here's a Disney Plus series, maybe Cassian or Obi-Wan, depending. Um, and then here's a game. We don't have a movie yet, but we have stuff here. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I kind of wonder if it would get revealed before E3. The interesting thing is we don't have a celebration in April because for the past three games, they've done the initial reveal at celebration in like April. Ooh. Then they've done like the gameplay reveal at E3 a couple months later. And then, mm -hmm. you know, the game's out that holiday. So I don't know. They also don't have a D23 this year. No. Right? No. Yeah. So they're kind of empty in that first quarter. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously, if it's a holiday release celebration in August, that's way too late to reveal. Oh, that. yeah. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I'm. Really looking forward to seeing what a quote-unquote unique Star Wars experience is in their mind, you know? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I will say they've earned a little bit of goodwill from me, like from the consumer side with Fallen Order. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. So fingers crossed that it is exactly, you know, hopefully the quality of Fallen Order. If yeah. not a little bit lower, I would accept something lower, if, you know, just because it was so good. Yeah, and um, honestly, playing Battlefront over the past couple of weekends, because after I finished Fallen Order, I was really itching for some more Star Wars video games. And then, you know, they brought out sort of that celebration DLC that just unlocked mm -hmm. all the cosmetics for you and stuff. So I got that and jumped back into Fallen Order, and it is a completely different game than it was two years ago. And I have to commend them like with as much shit as they caught, it would have been real easy to just not support that game to the level they've supported it over the past two years. Like, Oh uh, yeah, totally. I thought they already were going to give up on it. Like whenever they mentioned like the Anakin Grievous and Obi-Wan DLC, I thought that that would be their final rollout and they just haven't stopped. No. In fact, today I booted it up and played on a, a planet from episode nine uh, and I was playing as Ray in her episode nine ga oh. uh, gear. It was it was pretty neat. I got to get that's it awesome. All right. <clears throat> so you mentioned Disney Plus just a few minutes ago. Why don't we discuss the matter at hand? And that is episode seven of the Mandalorian, the reckoning. Uh, before we get into the nitty gritty about the episode itself how have you been finding the series so far? I have been, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been liking it a lot. Um, I was really surprised at how good the quality of it is being the first TV show. Like I thought there might be more growing pains, uh, at least based on also what we saw at celebration that maybe it would take some time for them to get to that level, but they had really brought it and I don't see too many like cracks with the illusion of it being like a TV show. And that's encouraging. Um, but in a way, it kind of reminds me of like the X-Files. Like, do you remember whenever they would have like those overarching UFO 
narratives, which was like the main story. And then they would have those monster of the week episodes. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of that where like you have this empire stuff, but then you have, you know, a couple episodes like two, four, five and six where it's like the bounty of the week. And then now this week we've just got back down to business. So I like that they really break it up like that. So you're not inundated with just like one theme. Um, and you get to see like a bunch of different aliens and, and bounties and planets. And it's just pretty much more than I could have expected from it. Uh, so I'm pretty blown away. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I got to say, um, we're about to have a special guest boy join us, buddy. Mm. Will is going to jump on. He just texted me. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I got to say, even on the quote unquote, like, I hate using this term, especially with the show, but it, I think it just sort of it is a it's a catch all term to say like the the shows that don't necessarily tie into the overall like empire plot you're talking about yeah i still think that those quote unquote filler episodes do a good job of characters like adding little nuance and stuff to the character of the mandalorian and little backstory bits and pieces or little glimpses into this whole mandalorian culture that he's part of you know yeah exactly and then without those episodes too you don't get episodes like this they i feel like it just sort of funnels back into itself and enriches the main stuff so i like you said it's you can call it filler just for the sake of categorizing it but i think we both agree like it's the furthest thing from that just because it doesn't deal with the main narrative right (laughs) and and you know i know it's, I would say overall, at least the vibe I'm getting from online and stuff is that mm-hmm. uh, it's it's fairly well received this series. You know, I've, I've seen some people be down on episodes here and there, but the reaction's been overall pretty positive, I feel. And I don't know, man, like I am, I've said it before on the show, but I am definitely predisposed to really enjoying the show just based on the character and the subject matter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I haven't disliked an episode yet. Like, I'm waiting until the last episode comes out and I see that. And then maybe I'll be able to pinpoint like, oh, well, this was my least favorite episode or something like that. But yeah, I'm I'm the same way. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say I'm the same way with that. Like, even if there is maybe a low point in the season, if the season isn't done or there is still, you know, maybe some beats in season two. I can't ever really feel like I'm fairly judging it in the same way that like if somebody asked me my feelings on this, you know, new sequel trilogy, I I could I couldn't give them a fair answer because it's not fair to judge it. Judge a three chapter story on two chapters. You know, Um, that would be like judging the prequels just after walking out of Attack of the Clones. And that's just a huge piece missing with Revenge of the Sith. So to me, even what may be considered low moments, um, I, I still get something out of them because it's Star Wars and there's pretty much nothing else I'd rather be watching. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just, I'm so impressed with the quality because Mm -hmm. a star Wars live action show is something I've wanted for so long, but it seemed like such a scary prospect. Like, yeah, it could go very badly. And with a few minor exceptions, I think quality wise, it's been really good. You know, uh, I don't think it's 
unfair to say that every now and then there might be a weaker CG moment. Mm -hmm. But then you see something in an episode that is on par with the, the theatrical stuff. So, and honestly, I think that might be a little bit of like growing pains with this show. You know, like I would not be surprised if we see a lot of that smoothed out with the second season or with Cassian or with Obi-Wan, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like looking at the Mudhorn, which looked insanely good, like things like that, you know, and and the same way we were talking about video games, you can also carry some of that animation stuff over, you know, to the TV series as you sort of build this library of like these creatures and things like that that are going to be repurposed for the, for a new series, you know, and you kind of learn more things about them and more iterations of them become more and more polished. So, yeah. And just look at, I know it's, it's obviously not a one-to-one comparison, but look at rebels, look at clone Mm -hmm. wars and look at how their quality increased as the series go on. By the time you get to the end of clone wars, it doesn't look like a live action Star Wars movie, but you're seeing like camera work and animation stuff that is really top notch, you know? Like, yeah, it feels a lot less like animation, honestly. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm really excited to see where they go, um, you know, going forward and next season. And I think, you know, I think it's a really good idea to take one of the directors from this season who is a fucking rock star no oh she's unbelievable i know and then give her the obi-wan series and say this Mm -hmm. is your series knock this shit out of the park because her like she's already been to the quote-unquote you know star wars live action tv summer camp yeah yeah exactly so she knows how it works she knows how to interface with the studio and 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 all that, and she's got a, a feel for the technology that they have on hand to make these things. And now, with her being in charge of the Obi-Wan series, like, what a wonderful idea. I hope I hope we see that really carry for, forward quite a bit. Like, I know, <clears throat> and I don't know if this ever got confirmed, but it was a few months back. Um, I think it was the Hollywood Reporter uh, was reporting that Rick Famayua, who mm-hmm. did last week's episode and episode two of The Mandalorian, was up for quite a few of the episodes of Cassian. Oh. Um, so I think that's a really good idea. And I think like this almost sort of like, it might come off kind of shitty saying this, but I don't mean it that way. This talent scouting program yeah. That the live action Star Wars shows are becoming is such a good idea. And I would not be surprised if Deborah Chow is not helming a, a, a movie before too long. Oh, yeah, I could totally see that. I mean, I think Lucasfilm loves the idea of like how they're doing with these episodes. It being sort of a like you said, boot camp, because like Star Wars is like a 200 plus million dollar budget for films at least typically, and you don't want to take any risks. Um, And this is the perfect way to do it, sort of see what they're capable of and sort of keep adding to their plate a little bit. I mean, with the Obi-Wan series, Deborah Chow's like, I mean, obviously we don't know 
what we're going to see. But visually, what she's done with The Mandalorian, we're likely going to see sort of similar visuals, you know, with like the deserts and sort of those open plains and things like that. Like, I don't see it being a far cry from that, but it probably will push her to the next level because it's all hers. Um, mm-hmm. But with her taking it over, and I know she's showrunning it, I knew that there was a, some report out there that Ewan would be doing a few episodes. Is that still a thing? I don't believe it is because it seems as though she was announced as the director for the whole thing. Okay. Gotcha. Which almost makes me feel like the Obi-Wan series might be shot like a long six-hour movie and then chopped up into episodes where The Mandalorian definitely feels like a scripted episodic show, you know? Oh, yeah. This is not a a case where they had one huge story and they were like, okay, you know, let's chop it up. They clearly had an overarching story and an Mm -hmm. idea where things are going to be going and whatnot. But it makes me wonder if that is the case, that they're going (laughs) to, like, chop things up and, and sort of just figure out the pacing that way. And after episode five, when they go back to Tatooine, well, they already have Tatooine sets ready to go. I would imagine. Yeah, they don't just throw that Raiders, shit away. Yeah, course. yeah, they don't just throw that shit away. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I think, I think she is such a great fit for Star Wars, and I think they would be honestly kind of crazy not to offer her a live action movie if she wants to do it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. He's here. Will Witten, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. How are we doing? <sighs> so, buddy, I mean, you you missed a, a ripping hot video game discussion. I know you love I'm a those. little disappointed, <laughs> but it's okay. It's um, okay. And we got Will, or Will, Evan's feelings on the sort of first six episodes of The Mandalorian. So you came right in time. Mm, to discuss episode seven of the Mandal chapter seven of the Mandalorian, the reckoning will buddy. What are we thinking? Let's get this discussion rolling. Just kind of blown away. Honestly, I, uh, I kind of expected him to gather a crew and it went back and gathered, you know, the people he could trust. And, like I expected an episode where he would gather the crew and this, this just kind of hit it right out of the park. And then it ended totally differently than I thought it would. And, uh, it, it left the hook baited. We'll say for me for the the next episode. So, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if this was planned to be the one that came out before star Wars specifically, like because it ended cliffhangery, you know, to, to leave the tension on a high note. Yeah, and excited for Rise of Skywalker. I don't know. I'm thinking way too far into it. But I'm sure somebody over at marketing Disney Lucasfilm has thought about it. What I was going to say is, like, our buddy Jeremy texted me today, and I had already seen the episode, but he was like, I hear there's some kind of tie-in to episode nine in this episode. And if there was, I didn't catch it, you Um, know? Um, I wasn't looking for that. I'm trying to think now. I've seen it twice, you know, even after him saying that. And I've seen other people sort of say that or speculate about that. And I didn't catch an overt one. Maybe after we see the movie tomorrow, we'll be like, oh, okay. (laughs) 
you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's like Navarro. You know, like we have no idea what it is, but something happens on Navarro. Right. <clears throat> so, I don't know if you guys are, are caught up on Rick and Morty this season, are you? I am not, I am. unfortunately. I wish I was. So, yeah. this this is not really going to spoil anything, but there's an episode oh, that's they did that sort of uh, makes fun of heist movies, right? <laughs> Yeah, and like the the running joke through the whole episode is everybody being like, when they're putting together the crew, being like, "You son of a bitch, I'm in." And I thought like Jesse and I both joked that that's what last episode was like. Was it was their son of a bitch, I'm in episode? Yeah. <laughs> but then this episode happens, and it's that again. It's like it's putting together a way way more likable crew. That's yeah. for sure. Um, I gotta say, I have. Never been more happy to be wrong about something than when I said I didn't think we'd say see Queel again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Nolte, the Ugnot. Like, I thought he was right. done after episode two. So when he went back to get him, I was so excited. Yeah, right. Yeah, I didn't expect that. I genuinely thought maybe not all three of the characters in the crew would come back, but I thought maybe Cara Dune would, but I definitely didn't expect Quill, um, and maybe IG-11, but definitely not all three of them. Yeah, and the fact, I knew, I, like, I had a gut feeling IG-11 would be back, and when he popped into the tent to offer them tea, I was so <laughs> excited. Like, the fact, and I will say this, one of the series' few, like, really low CG points featured IG-11 and it was in the flashback sequence when uh Quill is teaching him how to talk uh walk and like he's like all bent over and he's all shaky not the best but I thought the, all the other stuff was really good mm-hmm. um maybe that's the episode 9 like maybe the reprogramming of the droid oh. from kill to protocol or protocol to kill I don't know Ooh. I'm taking stabs in the dark here there's something weird going on with C-3PO in them trailers. That's not a bad swing, Will. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that. You might be on to something. Son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> um, how long do you guys think it is before IG-11 <laughs> starts kicking ass again? I kind of um, thought it was going to be this episode. I did. Yeah, I kind of assumed was it Quill would make it back to the ship, and then IG Eleven would dispatch anybody that showed up. I kind of think maybe. So you know, obviously we're doing full spoilers, but I think maybe IG Eleven's going to find dead Nick Nolte, mm-hmm. and that might set him off. Maybe he'd yeah. be revenge bot. He may even show up to save the day, honestly, from them Ooh. being pinned down. I didn't think about that before. Yeah, they did say that he was still programmed for protection. Yeah. So, yeah, he may show back up into town and help them out of their their tight spot they're in. Um, I thought it was a little weird, and I think it is probably because they're saving it for next episode, but no mention... Of the Mandalorians that came to help yeah. the Mando on Navarro. Well, yeah, like I, I mean, 
what's his name? Carl Weathers talked about it a couple times. Well, did he specifically mention anything that happened to them or like, I mean, he know, like, I know they mentioned like the big shoot up, but he wasn't like, yeah, since the last time you were here or, you know, the man, yeah, like he didn't specifically go into detail about it. Yeah. and, And there was no mention of like, well, where the fuck did all your Mando buddies come from? That sure was a surprise. <laughs> yeah, I think they want you to think that maybe they're gone because they said they were going to leave at the end mm-hmm. of episode three. But we still have that one shot from one of the trailers that hasn't happened yet. And that involves, you know, them in some way. Yeah. At least I think so. Yeah, I'm hoping that is not going to be a heartbreaking fl- flashback Ugh. that we get next episode. I'm real worried about all those other Mandos. Mm-hmm. So, Those aren't people you need to be worried about, by the way. I hope not. Um, they, Mandalorians can take care of themselves, by the way. I yeah, hope he I makes think... it back to that forge and gets some more of those, uh, those like homing kill darts. The I whistling birds. Oh, whistling yeah. birds. Yes. Well, he's out, and he needs some more. Uh, Carl Weathers definitely has a couple of uh, blocks of uh, Beskar on him still. I'd imagine. So yeah. Uh, he, um, if you notice, he's wearing the same jacket with the same bullet hole in the chest. Yeah. I thought that was a great detail. That was cool. I totally missed that. That's a nice touch. Uh-huh. Uh, I also really liked getting more of a look at the planet of Navarro. Cause we've, you know, kind of been confined to just the town area. So we got to see like the lava fields and stuff. Mm-hmm. And when they're like camp down for the night like they're using the lava and the coals from the lava to build their campfire like i thought that was a nice little touch and stuff um speaking of that campfire scene i was so stressed about those poor blurgs oh my god those poor blurgs oh that ruined me those giant pterodactyl assholes that swoop in that apparently have poisonous claws as well yeah did you see how the second one died uh, he just gets like he just grabs him on the back and crushed. He just gets crushed. That poor he gets little crushed guy. under the dead one. Oh, that sucks. I didn't realize that. That's brutal. <clears throat> um, Evan, buddy, we'll we'll kick this one over to you to get mm-hmm. this discussion started. What did you think about the scene? So they camp down for the night. The pterodactyls show up. There's like this really pretty terrifying scene of them, like you know, trying to defend. And then Carl Weathers gets scratched on the arm and baby Yoda heals him, which they kind of alluded to in episode two when the Mando was fixing himself up and baby Yoda kept trying to um, reach out and touch his arm. Uh, Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, that was. And what makes it interesting is I wonder if it's less about like what we thought at first was that it's a Yoda species and more about specifically his ability to force heal because he healed, tried to heal with Amando like before he really even knew him and he barely knows, you know, um, uh, grief Karga. And, uh, so to me, I wonder how many times he's done that. And that is what has made his value just absolutely skyrocket is what I took from it. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think next episode we gotta, at least get some sort of hint on why they want that little guy so much. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't think it'll be fully explained. I'm fully expecting 
baby Yoda to carry over into season two at this point, because mm-hmm. I don't know how quickly they could wrap up the baby story, Yoda story in one more episode considering where they're at right now. So I do want to know, like, what is it they want him for? And I think the force healing is a good candidate for why mm-hmm. they'd be so interested in him. Yeah. Yeah. Like Moff Gideon, whenever he mentions in this episode, it, and I thought it was really strange how emotionally he delivered the line, but he said about, you know, the child that he means more to me than you can possibly imagine or something like that. I, I wonder if, and I'm hoping that this is the case that they're maybe going like a Mr. Freeze route with him. Like as far as like Batman lore, where oh. maybe someone close to him is sick and that's why he wants baby Yoda, oh. you know, like it's more personal than you might think being the empire. I think that'd be neat. That episode of the Batman animated series with Mr. Freeze and his wife, mm-hmm. one of the best animated episodes of any television show ever. I mean, that oh, Batman yeah. series in itself right. is probably bar none one of the best <clears throat> you know, comic book series there is. Without a doubt. I'm just saying that specific one, like I think it's yeah. been forever since I've watched all of them. But if I were to sit down and watch them all, I bet you that one would end up in my top five or top ten somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite parts <laughs> of the show that was a, l- a little goofy, but it was meant to be, is when... Uh, the Mando takes Cara Dune down into like the belly of the ship to show her his armory, and he's like, "Pick one," and she's like, "Is he gonna be okay up there?" And he's like, "Yeah, he'll be fine." And then like Baby Yoda like upside down sticks his head down, and he's like <laughs> checking him out, and then he's all like, "Let me drive the boat." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was very Gizmo and Gremlins to me. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved it. It was so good. Um, it's a weird switch to have to go from having Yoda force choke Cara Dune to healing a stranger in the same episode. Well, it, you know what it kind of reminded me of was like, you know, every now and then Jesse and I will like, not really, but like play wrestle or like mm-hmm. we'll pick on each other. And our dog Luna hates that shit. Right. Oh. She immediately jumps to protect Jesse when if she was any smarter, she would realize that Jesse could whip my ass (laughs) up and down the block if she wanted. Um, But that's what it reminded me of is like he he thought the Mando was legitimately being hurt by Cara Dune. And that little face that baby Yoda made when he was force choking Cara Dune. Wow. It was intimidating. It was little scrunch face um but he like yoda had spent the little baby yoda <clears throat> excuse me had spent well, at least a couple weeks on that yeah so he should know her with cara dune but it has been a while maybe since they'd seen each other i don't know i'm just saying i mean i get it i totally get it and i totally believe it it's just an odd it's a swing that's a, it is that's a good point too because they were wrestling whenever you know he saw it go down like on that other planet and yeah. he was just sitting there sipping his tea yeah that's yeah. true soup or whatever um interesting i like i know this is not something that will ever be explained because t- star wars doesn't really get into timeline minutia like this but they kind of gave me the vibe that at least a decent amount of time has passed between all these episodes. Cause when he goes back to recruit 
Quill, he's like, he hasn't grown. And he's like, I think he's uh, I can't remember the term he uses, but it's apparently the term you use for something that's been gen- genetically engineered or something. Right, right. A cast, uh, like a Some, something cast. Yeah. <laughs> Which is an interesting concept that I don't know that we've really heard much about of in Star Wars. Yeah, because genetics in Star Wars has pretty much been steered away from, with the exception of, you know, cloning and mm-hmm. clone army. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this seems like something different than cloning. At least that's the vibe I got. Right, Like right. some sort of slowing instead of acceleration. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then he's like, uh, but her, she seems like she could have came out of the such and such of the such and such. <laughs> um, I really liked the little bit of backstory they gave to Quill about how he was an indentured slave to the Empire Mm-hmm. And worked his debt off over a long a lifetime. Yeah. Three human lifetimes, apparently. Right. Which really doesn't, if you think about it, doesn't really line up with the Empire. Yeah. Because the Empire was only around for 20 something years, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. So was he an indentured servant to the Republic before that? And then that just carried over to the Empire? I didn't think about that until just now. Yeah. Also, Uh, is is this the first time that we've actually gotten a hint as to like the lifespan of an Ugnaught? Yeah, clearly it's, 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 it's extended. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think it's pretty fair to say that he's on the older end, Mm -hmm. but they obviously live much longer than a human. Perhaps his indentured servitude began somewhere and then it was bought at the end by the empire. Ah, I could see I'm that. I'm trying to too. find ways to make this work for them. There's plenty mm-hmm. of ways they could explain it. If, you know, not that he even really needed to. This was just a, a weird little, because sometimes I do get hung up on timeline stuff, and it was like a weird well, little Well, I mean, if you're going to play around in timelines, you need to make sure that you fit them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and then, because, you know, you don't need to work the story into knots to make things make sense. Um. So... Did it will when they showed up on Navarro? Was your feeling like, oh, grief carga Carl Weathers is being on the up and up, or did you? No, think- no, I was like, y'all, are you really trusting this guy? Like, you're really trusting <laughs> that? Like, like, are you guys not waiting? I was hoping that the Mando would be waiting for the flip all along. Like, I hope he was gonna fill her in on, yeah, we're walking into probably a trap, or like, I need you to, you know, anticipate these guys. And when Carl Weathers said that's what it was, I was like, I'm not an idiot. I'm glad I'm not an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was expecting the turn at any moment in, like, I'll be honest, I thought it was about to happen when, so they're all sitting around the fire, and those three bounty hunter dudes are kind of, like, looking at each other shifty, and then they look at baby Yoda. Yeah, I as thought they As soon as Carl Weathers gets hurt, they're like, "Oh, I guess we just take the baby and bolt." Yeah, that's the f- uh, that's what I thought was going to happen is they were just going to grab the baby and bolt, but it's it's not. I loved the scene though when Grief like surprised the the two hunters that were left and killed them and he was like, "Look, I'm going to I'm going to level with you here. The plan was to kill you and take the baby, but after last night, I can't let that happen." <laughs> right. I also like that they finally gave um, baby Yoda, like a new crib now, finally. It was stressing me out. I know, man. Like, it was stressing me out, too. I'm glad yeah. I'm not the only one. 
<laughs> yeah, and I like that. Toddler it's... can't just be walking around. You need a galactic stroller or something. <laughs> Seriously. I love that it's all shiny and shit. He looks like his daddy now. He's got his own little shiny mm-hmm. uh, armor and to keep him safe. There is a nice... lot of... No, go ahead. Sorry, go... Okay, say... Wouldn't it be uh, like a nice little touch if they put the signet also on his little crib once he gets it? I just thought yes, that'd be cute. That would be. That's all... Sorry. There's a lot of significance to the things that the Ugnaught has made now. Yes. And I feel that the IG-11 may be instrumental in changing the way the Mandalorian feels about droids. IG-11 may be his droid companion from now on. I because think... the Ugnaught made him and he trusts him and he passed on. I think you are 100% correct, and I think there was plenty of foreshadowing in this episode, like almost over the top, like sort of beating us over the head with it, foreshadowing in this episode where, you know, like Cara Dune once again reinforced, like you really got a thing against droids, don't you? And like, you know, just sort of beating it. And I think you're right. I think next episode, IG-11 is going to be instrumental in getting them in, out of this mess, and <coughs> he'll probably when he's be... like, "Do you trust me?" And he's like, "Yes." And then you will trust my work, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that includes the bassinet as well, mm-hmm. the space bassinet, space crib. So I can't wait. Uh, like I think the three of them being a trio, trio, Cara Dune, IG Eleven, and the Mando, that is really exciting for me. And it was kind of where I was expecting this to go just way earlier than now. Um, yeah. They kind of stretched it out getting to that spot, and I guess technically they're not even quite there yet, but I think that's where it's headed. Do you think Grief joins them after all of this? I feel like it's hard for him to kind of stick around after he like knowingly duped the Empire too. I think so. I think he might yeah. join the group too, or... Um, He'll be at least, you know, still part of the story <laughs> next season. Yeah, like a contact or something, like mm-hmm. a fulcrum kind of thing. Yeah, I, I do. I think, think she, I think he shows up at the the end, maybe the end battle. You know, like where all of his friends are called in to help or whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Cara Dune is. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm no, sorry. It's fine. I was just saying, Cara Dune's acting is not necessarily as be- as good as her appearance. Like, she definitely got the job because of those big-ass biceps. But, <laughs> I mean, she does a good job at playing a heavy. You know what I mean? But there are some moments in her performance that seem weak. Um, Am I the only one that feels that? I, so, I can see where that comes from. I thought she was better this week than the first week. Agreed. Yeah, the I first agree. episode. Agreed. And that's yeah. kind of why I brought it up, because I was kind of... I, I said a negative thing, but what I meant to do was give her props for her acting this week. Yeah, I mean, I don't need, I don't mean to get Haas started, but I think she appears to be like an Oscar winner in comparison to the bounty hunter in episode oh five. <laughs> that dude, that fucking dude. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. And you know, um, you know, the her first episode was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who. And, and I don't mean this as a slight towards her at all, is not as experienced as a director as sure. Deborah Chow, who directed this episode. So I think what you're seeing there is, is maybe a difference in directors. And I, I definitely would. It may just be her character growth. You know, there was more time yeah. for her character than maybe in the last couple episodes. There was a quicker pace in those last couple episodes. Yeah. And, and I actually 
liked that this sh- this episode was a little slower paced and then ramped up towards the end. Right. Um, I think that's real beneficial, especially when you're going to leave it off on a cliffhanger. And I can only imagine that next week is fucking action packed. I mean, you have legions of stormtroopers, shiny stormtroopers, not all dirty and dusty and death troopers. Um, A moth. A moth. uh, Who, like, I know we barely got him in this episode, but. That's Giancarlo Esposito for you guys. He is fucking amazing. I'm so glad to see him in Star Wars. Um, Agreed. My favorite part of the episode was when... So, you know, they, they go in. They meet with the client again. Rip Werner Herzog. Um, oh, he, I know. I know. It's a shame, but I think we're also lucky to have gotten as much of him as we did in Star Agreed. Wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also didn't think he was going to come back after episode three. So this I was didn't a nice either. surprise. Too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and then when he shows up, when Moff Gideon shows up and the TIE fighter lands and its wings fold the way they oh. did, that was so fucking cool. And yes, the effect looked so good like mm-hmm. you could put that in the rise of skywalker and not blink twice seeing that oh effect. no not at all it was no. so good uh and i'll i'm here to tell you guys now you have never seen somebody listen as closely to a character's footsteps <laughs> as i did when moff gideon stepped out of that tie fighter because that's been the prevailing theory not prevailing but one of the prevailing theories about who the mysterious person was at the end of episode five was that it's Moff Gideon. Well, guys, Moff Gideon no longer. definitely did not have that Spurs sound. The Boba Fett hope is still on the board. I thought about that the second I saw him walking Haas. And mm, one right? of the other things I, I made note of was if he was, let's just hypothetically say he was that person at the end of episode five. And if you were that hot on the trail of the Mandalorian, like, why go to the trouble of having grief lure him back in? Like, you would just take care right. of it then, you know? Right. Yeah, I, I at, at this point, it's definitely not him. Like, I don't know who else it could be besides Boba Fett at this point. So, you're, it, Which makes me think we'll see the female assassin again as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, ho- I hope so. <laughs> the real question is, is if that gets expanded on any next episode, or if this is... You know, if that's going to be the slightest little teaser we get in season one and we don't hear anything about it again until season two, I think both are, are a possibility. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll just see. I'm telling you right now, if season two ends, right? Hear me out, guys. Uh, you know, everything's wrapped up. Baby Yoda is fine. The Mando and his new buddies are on the Razor Crest. They're taken off through space on their next adventure. They're just about to hyperspace out, and the camera pulls out. And what do you see flying behind them? But Slave One Ooh. credits. Oh my God! You you would blow a gasket. <laughs> blow something. <laughs> I was I was gonna go there, but I was like, eh, I don't know if I should. <laughs> blow something, someone. <laughs> Pick my TV oh, yeah. up over my head and smash it out of excitement. Uh, something's going to happen. <laughs> Tomorrow Morrison, is that the actor mm-hmm. that played Django Fett? Mm-hmm. Do you think he'll play Boba Fett? I don't know that if we see Boba Fett 
in the 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 show if Timur Morrison will be in the suit. But if we see Boba Fett without his helmet, I want it to be Timur Morrison. Yeah, me but too. But if he's in Mandalorian regalia Boba Fett, I want him to be the voice too. Yeah. And I yeah. Just, I mean, oh, yeah. Were you going to say, Evan? I would say real quick, as, as an actor as well, isn't Timur Morrison sort of around where Boba... Okay. I fucked up. The batteries in the recorder died. What were you saying, Evan, about Tamora Morrison's <laughs> age? Oh, yeah. So I was just wondering if age-wise, where Ewan McGregor is sort of fitting nicely with Obi-Wan timeline-wise, that does line up potentially nicely well with Boba, or would he be slightly older than what Tamora Morrison would be? I think it m- lines up perfectly. Okay. Like I, And even... Either way, I think works fine. If you see an unmasked Boba, I think Tamora Morrison would look rad. If uh, if it's just his voice, obviously that's totally fine. And he came back and did the voice for Boba in the the video games in like Battlefront and Battlefront Two. Mm-hmm. So I really do hope that that's what happens. I know you know people kind of rag on his acting in Attack of the Clones, but I mean, come on, it wasn't that bad. I don't think so either. And I mean, also, he had very few. He had the scene on Geonosis, and then that was really the only time he was unmasked. Yeah, and and anything else I've seen him in, he's been really good. So yeah. I don't. I think it's one of those things where like you can't hold everything Hayden does in the prequels against Hayden. Yep. You can't hold everything Tamora Tamora Morrison I mean, does. I mean, it's Django Fett. I mean. He played a tight-lipped mercenary, like a stoic, tight-lipped mercenary. Yeah. Like, I mean, he played yeah. him wooden because those kind of characters are, like, when they're being dodgy and stuff. And he also, being, like, all those clone troopers, they're basically bred to not have emotion. So it's like that role was limited as it was anyway. Yeah. And the only time you ever saw him was in the in the facility eating and stuff like it's not like they needed a bunch of emotions like they anytime they were fighting they had their helmets on and stuff well and you also see him as cody right in mm-hmm. attack of the Cl- or revenge of the sith a few unhelmeted times okay, yeah. <laughs> but um and you know i know there's a lot of people out there that are big daniel logan fans and i am too i think he is like like if you ever see celebration panels with daniel logan and stuff he's crazy he's a lot of fun like he's very energetic he loves the fact that he's boba fett and things like that and a lot of people would like to see him play boba fett but i think this particular area of the timeline it does that's a case where it doesn't really work yeah if we were gonna see boba around say you know the solo movie era then yeah you could do daniel logan then you know i'd be fine with that but yeah of course Years after Return of the Jedi, he's going to look more like Django than than Daniel Logan. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how fucking cool was it seeing those Death Troopers again? Oh my god, awesome! Yeah, yeah. That's I really like because it has it seemed like it's been sort of this thing in the Disney era of Star Wars where you introduce new troopers every movie, which is not something that's unfamiliar to star Wars in general, when you really think about it, but that, you know, they've really sort of pushed the, um, the well, sort of, 
Um, now the now that the Star Wars cogs are turning again at Disney, there are toys to be made every year. <laughs> right. And well, and there's always well, I was gonna say there's always seems to be like the signature trooper that's right. the new trooper yeah. in the movie. Like Force Awakens, obviously, it's the new First Order Trooper. Uh Rogue One, it's the Death Trooper, or the Shore Trooper, or the mm-hmm. the Tank Trooper. They did three. I'd say the Death Troopers were probably, you know, the big ones, the big takeaways from that. They did the same yeah. thing in Solo. There were a bunch of different troopers. Yeah, and you, in Solo, you had the range troopers and the whatever those guys, that one trooper type that's on the bike, and executioner troopers in The Last Jedi, Sith troopers in The Rise of Skywalker. So what I like to say, what well, this was like a long spiel to get around, I like seeing all those different trooper types incorporated into Star Wars in things other than the movies they were introduced in, you know, mm-hmm. like seeing... what's really neat is seeing them all displayed in the beginning of Battlefront Two. Oh, There's with a all the helmets, screen. yeah, yeah, all the different ones. That's and, and if you look, it's like somewhat chronological because the Sith trooper helmet's in the middle and it's the most mm-hmm. prominently displayed. But if you look, if you take that away from left to right, it goes from like original clone like uh phase one clone all through the different clones and then goes all the way down to the first order it's a really neat like loading screen splash image it thing. Is. it's awesome so guys there's um oh sorry go yeah what are you gonna say buddy you go right I, ahead. I was gonna say there uh there's one line in this episode that i think might be the funniest to me throughout the entire series so far um and it's whenever Werner herzog wants to see baby yoda for proof and, uh, you know, grief kind of panics and he's like, you know, he's sleeping right now. He's resting. And then he says, like, real seriously, we will all be very quiet. And yeah. He looks around like it's just so funny that he still <laughs> considers baby Yoda's rest. Yeah. I one of the funnier sort of memes I've seen come out of this episode was they said, um, this is me every episode of The Mandalorian. And it was a gif of um, Werner Herzog saying, let me see the baby. <laughs> and i was like oh that's that's pretty good oh yeah <laughs> that's pretty good right there guys <clears throat> um well all right so we're 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 basically one episode away not basically we're one episode away from the ending this definitely ended on a cliffhanger poor nick nolte poor one out for him mm-hmm. they the empire has baby yoda those oh and can i say when they're bringing the Mando and Cara Dune into the town and that one scout trooper is like, I'll give you 20 credits for the helmet. What kind of low ball shit is that? No wonder <laughs> Mike Pappas. No wonder Mike Pappas' favorite trooper is the, the scout trooper. <laughs> 20 credits for that helmet? Nah. I've looked those things up on Etsy. They go for a way more than 20 credits. Oh, yeah. Um. So the Empire has Baby Yoda. Moff Gideon's in play with his huge army of stormtroopers and death troopers. Will, we'll start with you. What? How do you think this goes? Where do you think this goes from here? How did we wrap this up next week? Ooh, either IG-11, Carrot Dune, and uh, the Mando go in there and get that baby back, or they have to regroup. One or the other one, you know, it, it, it shakes down one of two ways. Yeah. And I love the sort of classic Western 
being stuck in a corner. They're stuck in the cantina. Stuck in the cantina. Mm hmm. With posse's outside. Yep. (laughs) Big bad lawman is is there. (laughs) Rode in on his fucking TIE fighter horse. Mm hmm. What do you think, Evan? You got any ideas for us? I think. I mean, I think it's probably safe to say, but I think Moff Gideon is definitely going to live. I think he'll probably be, you know, for lack of a better term, like a the Gus Fring of the series, potentially, um, at least as long as Baby Yoda is in play. But I think, and I hate to be cynical, but I think it's going to end with the Mandalorian still separated from Baby Yoda. Oh, no. um, I do think that they will have a moment where they're sort of back together, maybe midway through this episode. But I think maybe whether it be based on his decision or it, him being taken, I think that there might be a separation cliffhanger because I potentially think that he might see no matter what I do, whether I bring other people on board with me or it's just me alone, he's always going to be at risk and I have to do something. Um, so maybe even if it's temporary, I think that there will be a separation and like season two will start out with like maybe just him and the crew. I don't know. That's just sort of what I'm thinking. Buddy, I'm telling you if they do that, I will be so anxious for an entire oh. year because last night, you know, I stayed up late to watch it. And when I got in bed, I was just laying there going like, no, nah, man, baby Yoda's going to be okay. The mm-hmm. Mando's going to, they're not going to do anything to hurt baby Yoda. The Mando's going to swoop in and save baby Yoda. He's going to be fine, man. Don't worry about it. Like I had to calm myself down <laughs> and man, the tension that they built in that chase sequence with the, the speeder bikes and the blur. Oh my god! Ooh, yeah, really I mean, well the done. Quill, the fact that Quill wasn't even speaking made me nervous. Mm-hmm. He was like, just he concentrating on writing. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was. I thought he was scot free. Like when he was close enough to the ship to drop the ramp, I was like, "Good, good. He's yeah. gonna get on there and he's gonna close himself up and he'll be okay." Yeah, as much as I wanted him to live. I do think that this was probably a really good thing for the series itself because it establishes like it it will go places that you maybe thought were off limits, you know. There's emotional weight now. Yes, exactly. Even like there's this threat that they they will kill off characters, you know, whether you like them or not. Right. And and I would say I mean, I'm sure people's mileage will vary on this, but I think this is the first character we've seen them kill off where I was like, "Oh, no, not them." Mm-hmm. You know, um for sure. I, you know, I felt that way with IG-11, but I was also firmly in the camp, the camp of like, he's a droid, he'll be back. Yeah. Um, you know what I was thinking about today that doesn't seem like it's come up yet is um, there was an interview with, I believe it was Taika Waititi before the show came out and he was talking about IG-11 and he was like, he doesn't like being compared to IG-88. And oh, that's right. They never, that's never come up in the show. And I don't know if that's just sort of a character detail that he sort of came up with talking with like, you know, John Favreau or Dave Filoni and thought it was funny, you know, like, or if there was a cut scene or if that's something that's coming up. But yeah, that's, that's never come up in the show itself. I mean, I'm not trying to uh, get your excitement up even more, Haas, but I mean, Based on what we've seen in the show, the only person who would likely like bring up IG-88 to even say that would be Boba. That's true. I didn't think about that. (laughs) I didn't think about that one bit. Like who else would be discussing him? You know, it would be somebody who was next to him for, you know, all those years. 
dude, what if Boba saves the day next episode? Oh, oh. the big bad Boba. And then what if it's not Boba versus the Mando for season two? What if it's Boba and the Mando working together in season two? Oh, that would be nice. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hang all my hopes on that Christmas tree, but that would. Yeah, that would be something. I mean, even if he was around for one or two episodes and then sort of left, that mm-hmm. would be nice. I just like you said, I don't want them to just bring him back just to kill him to you know sort of shut the door on that. I think that would be such a foolish move, such a waste. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know, I I think they've shown after, especially after seeing this episode, that like. You can't count anybody out necessarily in this show. You know, um, I guess the the jury's still out on Fennec Shan, but IG-11's back. Um, mm-hmm. Cara Dune's back, although she didn't die. Uh, and, I mean, it was a no-brainer that she would come back. Like, it, yeah. it, it's one of those things, like, sometimes I'm a little torn because of how closely I follow this stuff that, like, you know, I knew at the world premiere for The Mandalorian, like, uh, John Favreau was saying, well, these three just spent all day filming season two and was talking about Pedro Pascal, Gina Carano, and Carl Weathers. So you knew, like, oh, well, they'll be back. You know, like... Yeah. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing where it goes. I'm really looking forward to seeing Star Wars tomorrow. Oh, oh my God goodness i've been trying not to think about it all day <laughs> right every time i was like oh my god star wars is tomorrow i was like don't mm-hmm. think about it don't think about it don't think about it i know man it is gonna be fun and guys like this is gonna end up being sort of a shorter episode but you know we got another episode coming tomorrow so we're not gonna do emails and stuff this episode um i just wanted to get these two fellas together and talk about the mando well i'm so glad you were able to jump in for the episode seven talk oh, oh i'm glad too. you guys caught me up i'm i appreciate you waiting on me evan buddy um yes oh i did have one thing i wanted to ask you before we go we've talked about it the the possibility for some kind of crazy moment or cameo in the flashback scenes with young mando what do you think about that do you have any crazy theories because uh, the more the further we get away from the last time we saw that i wonder if it's actually going to happen or if they're going to do anything with that but it just seemed like the perfect setup for some kind of surprise moment yeah you know i was thinking about this like back whenever it happened and listening to a few episodes of blue harvest and thinking to myself what i would want and going along with what i would want and maybe what would make sense is like what if hayden isn't in episode nine, but we've been seeing him because what if it's him as general Skywalker, you know what I mean? Just coming and saving during the clone war era. That would be, that's why he's been so involved with press. So rad. And if they do that, if they do him or Obi-Wan, I want them in their clone wars regalia with like the armor pieces and stuff. Yes. Yeah. That's so sick. I want to see that in live action so bad. That would be my dream. So cool. All right, buddy. Well, before we go, why don't you tell everybody where they can follow you, where they can check out your artwork, all that good stuff. Like I said at the beginning, guys, if you've ever been like, oh, man, that's a really cool piece of Blue Harvest artwork or a cool <laughs> shirt or a cool sticker or et cetera or et cetera, that's because of this man right here. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. So my art is on thechellisart.com. Um, and I'm on Twitter at edechellis25. And soon I will have a nice new piece of Blue Harvest artwork, which was um, created by Haas concept-wise. So whenever it comes out, don't give me too much credit. Haas came up with the idea and it's brilliant. No, give um, him all the credit. Just because <laughs> no. I have a dumb idea, Evan literally reaches a spectral hand into my stupid <laughs> brain and he uses like his thumb and his pointer figure, finger and he just grabs it and gently pulls it out. And he's like, oh, is this what you're thinking of? Yeah, that's a cool idea. But doesn't this look cooler? <laughs> no, it, it all starts with your inspiration. Um, but other than that, I have a board game that I'll be promoting a little bit more and more um, as, you know, the months go on. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can follow my Twitter as well. So, Yeah, and uh, guys, when that board game is, uh, is up and ready, you better be ready <laughs> for the full Blue Harvest promotional assault. I'm talking... Will and I recording commercials. We should get it and we should play it on air. Like oh. we should play oh, a game of awesome. put it on the Patreon or it's gonna happen. One hundred percent. So yeah. guys, uh thanks so much for listening. If you're listening to this tonight or tomorrow before you see the rise of Skywalker, I hope you go. I hope it's fucking everything you want. I hope it's awesome. You have the best time. I know I'm excited to see it. Um and uh you know, stay tuned. We're going to be discussing that on the next episode. And then next week we'll be wrapping up the Mandalorian. And then I don't know what the fuck we're going to do. I'm a little nervous <laughs> about it. I'm sure there will be things to talk about, but I am a little nervous. We'll see how it goes. Um, if you like the, the band that was kind enough to provide the music for a theme song, they're Stoned Cobra and you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. Leave us a five-star iTunes review if you haven't already. And we have a Patreon if you want to support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. We have a ton of bonus content available on there. In fact, I just, before we started recording, posted the latest episode of Masters of Harvest Kasi with our buddy, buddy King Tom. So check that out if you want at patreon.com slash Podcast. And until technically tomorrow... This has been Blue Harvest, and I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. I'm Evan DeChalice. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs>